Father, we thank you for the service thus far. Thank you for spiritual songs that we've made melody in our heart. Thank you, O Lord, for fellowship with people of like faith. We've come to a place in this service where we listen to the words of the book of life. God, we know that this manual for living is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. It's a weapon in our hand. It's a guide, a comfort. And I ask you, O Lord, to touch this preaching event today and let your word go forth with free course and have impact upon our lives. In Jesus' strong and mighty name, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, verse 20 through 27. While you're finding that, I'll tell you that Wednesday night is a great time to come to God's house. We have a marvelous time. There's not a whole lot of us, but I'll tell you one thing. The Spirit of the Lord is here with us in a marvelous way. We just had a shouting good time last Wednesday night, and the Lord moved and touched us wonderfully. Come and be with us, 6.30 to 7.30, midweek power hour. Exodus 15, 20 through 27. And Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them, Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. And there he made for them a statue and an ordinance, and there he proved them, and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and thou wilt do that which is right in his sight, and wilt give ear to his commandments, and keep all of his statutes. I will put none of those diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. And they came to Elam, where were twelve wells of water, and threescore and ten palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters." I want to talk to you for the next few minutes this morning about lessons learned around bitter pools. Lessons that we can learn around bitter pools. Israel, the Old Testament equivalent of the church, God's people, had been led out of a time of bondage. 400 years they had been servants to the Egyptians. 400 years they had gone through uh, ill treatment and beating at the hands of the Egyptians, uh, unbearable punishment. And God spoke to a man named Moses on the backside of Midian through a burning bush and said, go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Moses said, 
I don't know how he will respond if I tell him that. Who am I to tell him is the name of the person that sent me to do that? He said, tell him I am that I am sent you to tell you let my people go. And the Bible said, Moses said, I'm not a very good speaker. He said, I'll send Aaron with you. He talks pretty well. So God covered all the bases and nothing was left to do except go and do what God said to do. So when Moses went in and spoke to Pharaoh, he said, God said for me to come to you and tell you, let my people go. And he said, who is this God? I don't know this God. I've never heard of this God. Who, who are you talking about? What is his name? He said, he told me to tell you I am that I am is his name. Moses went back to God and he said, God, he said he wasn't going to let him go. And said, he didn't know you. And he said, he was not obliged to do what you said do. And God said this, that Pharaoh may know that I am the Lord that Pharaoh may get acquainted with me and know that I am, that I am means I am whatever you need, that I am whoever you need. I am, glory to God, present with you and I'm powerfully with you and I am is my name. Praise God. I know about all of those plagues that, that took place, the last of which was the eldest son and every family what was killed and finally pharaoh let them go and they were out in the in the wilderness and the bible said led by a pillar of fire and a, and a cloud by day and the bible said that pharaoh changed his mind and decided he would pursue after them and the bible tells that story of how he had them pinned up against the red sea and then we have the red sea event where god said uh, if you'll take this covenant that I have with you and take this relationship and this word that I have with you and march steadfastly into the waters, I will do a miracle. Praise God. And the Bible said as soon as the priest's feet touched the water, that the water began to stack up and it backed up all the way back to a place called Adam. Isn't that interesting? That it backed all the way up to a city called Adam. What God is saying, I can go all the way back to when this all first started. The first event, the making of man, the breathing into his nostrils, the breath of life, and he became a living soul. I can go all the way back to that far, showing you my sufficiency to deliver my people. And here they have gone through the Red Sea episode and they've been through escaping from the plagues and they've been through the ordeal of taking the, the, the lamb's blood and smearing it on the door lintel and the Passover instituted and all of that. And here they are traveled uh, out into the wilderness and they've not drank in three days, hadn't had water. It's now three days past the greatest miracle that was in their history, and they're faced with another trial of faith. So soon, so quickly, just three days ago, we were had the timbrel out. Three days ago, Miriam was dancing and celebrating and writing songs. 
Three days ago, we were on top of the mountain celebrating the Lord's goodness. And three days later, we got our lip poked out. And we don't like the way God does things. When God said, let there be, and there was light. When God, the Bible said, took his finger and established the boundaries. When God took his finger and said, rivers, you flow this way. When God established tide and time to operate at one consistent experience, then God was saying right then, I'm the maker of all things. I'm the creator God of all things. I am the Lord who is the maker of all things. And the Bible said that all things consists by the word of his mouth. The word of his mouth. He actually just through his spoken word walked out and spoke into nothing and said to nothing, let there be and he took nothing and hung it and suspended it on nothing and said, stay there. And the Bible then said he looked at it and said, that's good. That's good. And on the sixth day, God created man after the image and the likeness of God made he him. Male and female made he them. And the Bible said, and God breathed into his nostrils and he became a living soul. Praise God. Could I tell you that at that very time, God took out his pen and got out the map and he said, pool of bitter water. Let's see. Let's put it right there in the path of those Israelites because a blessing will only last them about three days. A blessing will only go about three days' worth. So after three days, I'd better find and calculate when they're going to need to be delivered again. So here's a little spot on the way. When you get there, you'll discover I've already been there. When you get there, you'll discover I've already been at work at that place. Oh, hallelujah. Is there anybody here today that have arrived at a situation and you wonder what God is doing, but you found out he's already been here. He's already made a way. He's already made uh, uh, something happen that can lead to my deliverance. He's already been here. He's already taken the shackles off. He's already took the binders off. He's already opened the prison door. He's already dealt with the bitterness in the water. And God will take care of me when I get to those points. three days with no water, and they came to a place called Mara, and it means bitter. And while they were there, they learned some valuable lessons. God wants you to learn lessons as you go through. Don't just stumble through life ignoring what God is doing and what God is saying. Uh, the Bible talks about the men who were the tribe of Issachar, and the Bible said they were wise men that knew the times and knew what Israel must do. 
I believe God's got some people that are aware of the times, like the one we're living in right now, that are wise enough to read this book and search its pages and look at what's happening and become a prophet who speaks to nations and who speaks to churches and speaks to individuals. Hey, I believe God has known about this moment in history for a long time. In fact, when he said, let there be, he knew about 2022. He knew about a pandemic before you ever discovered there was such a thing. He knew about COVID before COVID ever was COVID. He knew all about uh, disease, and he knows all about pestilence, and he knows all about difficulty and struggle and hardship. He knew about it before you were ever formed. And God had a plan for your life before you ever became you. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 says this, God says this to Jeremiah. He said, before you were shapen in your mother's womb, I knew you. I knew you. Boy, how awesome is that? Before, when he said, when thou wast just substance, I knew you. Before you were ever conceived, I knew you. And listen to this. And I ordained for you to be a prophet. Before you ever were, I had a plan for your life. Before you were ever putting on diapers and walking around as a toddler, God said, I had a plan and a purpose for your life at that very time. And I've discovered something all down through the years. When God has a purpose and God has a plan, God has an anointing. And your anointing is your anointing. It's not for me. My anointing is for me. Your anointing is for you. Praise God. I can't have your anointing, and you can't take my anointing. The world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. Hallelujah. The anointing that I have on my life is to fulfill the purpose that God has intended in my life. Praise God. And I'm only different in you than you in that God called me to do one thing and purposed for me to do one thing, but he purposed for you to do another. How are you coming along with the purpose of God in your life? How are you getting, getting on with that goal and that mission to become what God wants you to be? to become the voice, to become the testimony, to become the witness that God wants you to be. First lesson that we learn at Mara is this. Life is a mixture. Not all is good. Not all is bad. Hmm. Israel had just experienced blessing. Would you call rolling back the waters of the Red Sea a blessing? Would you call a, a, a Passover where a death angel passed over and God provided for you and saved your life and spared your life? Would you call that a blessing? Would you call, call a blessing when God dumped all of your enemies into the Red Sea and drowned all of your enemies? Would it be a miracle, a blessing of God in your life if God destroyed all of your enemies? 
you're awful quiet. You ought to have stood up and said, yes, amen. What a blessing that would be. Wouldn't it be something if God paid all your bills? What if God said, I'll take care of food on the table? I'll take care of clothes on your back. Your clothes won't ever wear out. Your shoes won't ever wear through the sole. I'll clothe you. I'll take care of you. And every morning I'll fix your breakfast. Go out and pick it up off the ground. I'll prepare it for you. Come on, somebody. Now, if you can't shout at the blessings of God, and God has blessed you with all of that, and then you come to a place three days after the greatest miracle in the Bible, and you come to a place and there's bitter water instead of sweet. And suddenly you're just ready to pitch a fit. God don't love me. God won't do for me. I like to hear about God doing good things for people, but he won't do it for me. Pitiful, pitiful, pitiful. You ought to be on hee-haw. You probably got to hair, have hair the color of mine to appreciate that statement. God hath not given us a spirit of fear. God hasn't given us a spirit of dread and worry and anxiety. God has not given us a run-if-you-can mentality. God gave us a stay-and-fight mentality. God gave us I-can-do-all-things-through-Christ-who-strengthens-me mentality. God gave us, my, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus mentality. God has given to us the mentality we are made to be more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. Listen, in the good times, praise his name. In the bad times, do the same. It's a mixture. It's a mixture. I suppose they, like a lot of people in our day, assume that once you sign up to follow the Lord, that everything's just going to be so rosite and everything's going to be so nice and money's going to hunt you down and you're going to have a perpetual good health all the time. But if you read this book right here, you'll find out some of the greatest men of faith had great difficulty in their life. In fact, the Bible tells us with much tribulation we enter into the kingdom of God. Did you hear that? With much tribulation, we enter into the kingdom of God. In fact, the Bible said many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him, did you say all? Out of them all. I wish Michelle was here today. I preached a, a message about God's protection for the children of Israel, and the word through the prophet to Israel was, and not a hair on your head will be disturbed. 
Every time she sends me a note or call, she'll say, not a hair. What that means is I'm trusting God. I'm believing God that if God knows how many of them are up there, and he said, not a one of them. Not a one of them. Isn't that a great pledge to you? Man, somebody ought to be shouting glory right now. Thank you, God, for telling me not a hair on my head. Job 14 and 1, a man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Job 5 and 7, yet man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. Ecclesiastes 2 and 17, therefore I hated my life because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Well, troubles will come into every life and storms happen and difficulties come and disasters come. The young man that was killed while riding his bicycle this last week never thought when he left home that I'll never come back to this house again. He thought, I'm just out for another morning ride on my bike, not knowing that there'd be a terrible accident and he'd be hit by an automobile and killed instantly. You see, you don't know what one day holds. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know about next week. But I know who holds tomorrow. Hallelujah. And I know who holds my hand. You see, if your hand is in the hand of the man, who steals the water. If your hand is in the hand of the man who leads you and guides and directs you and leads you in paths of righteousness for his namesake, then that God has promised to you, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never fail you. I'll never let you down. Then there's no pool you can come to that is so bitter that you could say, God, I'm not following you anymore. Because if God put that pool there, he put something there to take care of me. That if there's something wrong with the pool, he'll fix it. I said he'll fix it. Somebody say he'll fix it. He'll fix it for you. You see, there was a prophet one time whose name was Elisha. The man who trained him was Elijah. And brother, he's got a story to tell that's great too. But this Elisha, the Bible said he went to Jericho. And the Bible said that Jericho was a beautiful city. It was a pleasant city. In fact, Jericho was the oldest city on the face of the earth. Did you know that? Been destroyed 12 times. It's built layer upon layer upon layer. If you visit there, the oldest city in the world. There were springs that were there in Jericho, but the Bible said the men of the city went to Elisha and said, Oh, our Lord, said, this place where we dwell is, is a beautiful place. But it said, but the water is not. We can't drink it. And said, please come and... Fix it for us. 
And the Bible said, Elisha said, you got any salt? Have you got any salt? Put it in a new cruise, a brand new one, one you've never used before. And they put salt in it, and the Bible said, and I've stood right in this very spot in Israel. And the Bible said that they went over, and Elisha poured in the salt, and the Bible said, and they were made sweet. And furthermore, he said, and they remain sweet unto this day. In fact, they're so sweet that 4,000 years after they were sweetened, I took a drink of it and it was still sweet. Can I tell you when God fixes something, He fixes it good? Can I tell you when God fixes something for you, it won't wear out? When God fixes something for you, He makes a way that will never fail you, never let you down? We even read about some disciples in the boat with Jesus. And the Bible tells us in John 6 and 1 through 21 a story about how they were in a, a boat with the Lord Jesus. And the Bible says that while they were sailing on the Sea of Galilee, headed toward Capernaum as it was, the Bible said a powerful wind began to blow. A powerful wind began to blow, and their lives were in jeopardy, the Bible said. But it was about that time that the Bible said, and Jesus came to them walking on the sea. You mean God will do something impossible to fix it for me? You mean that God is so committed to staying with me that he will do something impossible? Like walk on water? I thought Bear Bryant and Jesus were the only ones that did that. Well, thanks be to God. Oh, my Florida folks didn't get that. He was the coach at Alabama. Those disciples were frightened and fearful and frustrated. They thought, we're going down to a watery grave. There's no hope for us. And suddenly, Peter gets it wrong so many times, but this time he got it right. The disciples said, oh, it's a ghost. And Peter said, that's not a ghost. That's my Lord. And he said, Lord Jesus, if that's you, bid me to come to you. Sometimes when God fixes it for you, He asks you to do what He's doing. And when He asks you to do what He's doing, when it's impossible, it takes great faith to step over the bow of the boat and step into the water and start walking on that water. Now, I'm sure God was very proud of Peter on the day of Pentecost when he preached that fabulous sermon. I'm sure that Jesus was very proud of Peter when Jesus asked him, Who do men say that I am? And he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, a boy. Yes, sir, you got it right. But Jesus was never more proud of Peter than he was the day he stepped over the bow of the boat 
and began doing something impossible. But yes, he came to the pool, and the Bible said he started looking around. And the Bible said when he started looking around, the Bible said he began to sink. But thanks be to God, he also had a little bit of sense. He said, the Bible said, and he prayed. He prayed, Lord, save me. And the Bible said, Greg, that Jesus reached down and lifted him up, set him in the boat, and the Bible said, and immediately they were at the shore. Now, the people couldn't figure this out because they'd just been the multitude over on the side of the mount, and they'd just been fed. And all those 12 fra fragments of baskets of fragments instead of fragments of baskets. You didn't get it? And the Bible said they picked up those baskets and put them in the boat and carried them with them. Well, if the baskets were in the boat with them that Jesus had just provided, then they were standing and stepping around on top of the miracle that Jesus had just done. How many times have you been standing on a blessing and fussing because another one wouldn't come? They were scared to death that they were going to go down in that shipwreck, but they were standing on the fish left over from the last miracle. Boy, that's good stuff. Because some of us are, are, are guilty of that. The Bible said that when they realized that that healing was needed, the Bible said, and there was a tree. And the Bible said that Moses took the tree and inserted the tree into the bitter waters at Marah. And the Bible said, and the waters were sweetened. How in this world do you think that tree just happened to be there? Trees are pretty scarce in Palestine, I'll tell you that. Pretty rocky place. Plenty of rocks, not much trees. Romans cut them all down when they ravaged the place in A.D. 60. No trees much. How did a tree grow beside a pool that was bitter, waiting on some people to get there that were going to need a miracle? Somehow God caused a Say it's an oak tree. Took an acorn. Somehow God put an acorn in the ground. And somehow God caused that acorn to germinate and caused that thing to blossom and bloom. And eventually it grew into a tree. Why did God have that tree to grow right there by that pool? Because one day, when his people came to that pool, they would need a deliverance, and they'd need a healing. They would need a 
a God who heals. Rapha, Jehovah Rapha, the healing God that would come and heal those waters. Could I tell you that in any situation where you've got bitterness and where you have got sin and you've got ill will and you've got conflict, there's one tree that you need to insert in that situation and it will fix it. What is that tree, Pastor? It's called Calvary. It's called the cross of crucifixion on the hill called Golgotha. It's called the cross, praise God. And if you'll insert that cross into your bitterness, it will sweeten and heal the bitterness. Heal the, the sin. Forgive the sin. There's healing at that, in that tree. There's salvation in that tree. There's blessing in that, that tree. Not only is life a mixture, they learn that life's lesson is we can learn a lot about ourselves. We learn that life is, is a mix, but life is also a ministry. Every situation in our life serves as ministry unto the Lord. He uses all the times of life to shape us in His image, to make us into what He wants us to be. Therefore, it becomes our prerogative to choose. You can be positive, and you can be faithful, and you can be believing, or you can be negative. And you can give up and throw in the towel and quit. Over the many years that I've shepherded churches, I've seen both kinds. I've seen people that faced dark days, that faced painful treatments and went through all kinds of difficulty, but they never, ever lost their glow. Never lost. I would go there to encourage them. They would encourage me. I would go there to lift them up. They would lift me up. They were so convinced that God would get glory from whatever was going on in their life. Therefore, they just believed that if you would give God glory in all things, at all times, in every place, that no matter what is going on, if the number one objective is make sure God gets the glory. Make sure God gets the glory. Make sure God gets the glory. I'm afraid that some of us sometimes are, are, are willing to put glory in other places rather than put it in, in God's hand. But I want to tell you the Bible said all glory. All glory, all glory belongs to the Lord. You see, that bitter time at Marah revealed certain characteristics about the Israelites that they would never have known had they not had that experience. You see, what we need to do is when times are difficult, to realize the lesson God wants us to learn. There was a woman whose name was Naomi. And Naomi was a, a Jewish lady, nice Jewish family, had a husband, two sons. 
And the Bible said times were hard in Israel. Times were tough. Famine. No food. And the Bible said that Naomi took her family and moved to Moab. Now, do you know who Moabites are? Moabites, you remember when Lot's three daughters slept with him and committed incest? And God was very displeased and very angry about that whole situation. The descendants of those incestual relations is what populated the country of Moab. So Naomi made a bad choice. She made a bad decision to leave the place of God's provision and God's covenant and go to a place of sin and wrongdoing. Come on, somebody. Have you found out like I have that most of the time bad times come because wrong choices, bad choices, bad decisions? Naomi wound up over in, in Moab, and the Bible said that her sons, her two sons, married two, two girls, two Moabite girls. Do you remember their names? Orpah and Ruth. Boy, you're real shy. You wasn't too certain about that one. Ruth. Ruth. And the Bible said that Naomi's husband died. What a terrible that was for the love of her life to die. The man that she'd pledged to live the rest of her life with died. And she was filled with grief and sorrow and sorely suffered grief for that, that husband. But before too long passed, one of her sons died. And then it wasn't long before another son died. And now then, all of her family had died except two daughters-in-law. And Naomi was praying, and she said, Oh, God, give me direction. Help me, oh God, to do what I need to do. And God said, you need to go back to the place of promise. You need to go back to the land of promise. You need to go back to the place where I've told you I'd meet you there. And the Bible said she got up and told the daughters-in-law, said, I'm going back. I'm going back home. I'm going where I need to be. And the Bible said, Naomi said the words of the wedding, you know, I will never leave you, and I will not forsake you. For whither thou goest, I will go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. That was her words. Orpah said, I believe I'm going to stay with my family. But Ruth came and went back to Israel with Naomi. And Naomi said, I'm going to change my name. Said, don't call me Naomi anymore. From now on, call me Mara. Mara? What is that? Bitterness. She said, from now on, my name will be Mara. You look at that whole situation, and you say, oh my Lord, how awful that is. How terrible that is that her husband died, her two sons died. One daughter-in-law decided to stay, and one came 
But here's a beautiful story right here. The Bible said she started gleaning in the harvest fields and that there was an owner of the harvest field named Boaz. And the Bible said he looked upon her and he loved her. Loved her. Loved Ruth. And the Bible said he talked to the harvesters and he said, leave some here so that when the gleaning is done that this lady will have plenty to eat. And so he became what we call our kinsman redeemer. And here's the the crux of that whole story is this, that Ruth married Boaz and became the great-great-grandmother of King David. What does that story tell you? It tells you that yeah, you may go through some mess. You may go through some difficulty. You may go, go through some, some toxic situations. You may go through some, some pools of bitterness and people may want to change their name because they're so bitter and, and so sorrowful and so sad, but God can fix it so that something good can come out of all of that. Praise God. Joseph said to his brothers, you meant it to me for evil, but God meant it for good. If God means it for good, all of hell can't mean it for evil. If God means it for good, every, every imp in heaven cannot come against God if God wills it for good and means it for good. So be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Learn lessons about themselves. Come on, Olivia, and help me quit this morning. The one problem with the bitterness issue they had in Israel was they were walking by sight. One of the big problems in our churches today is people walk by sight. They're like Thomas. I've got to see it. I've got to feel it. I've got to touch it before I will believe. Come on, somebody. But God's Word tells us, Jesus said to Thomas, Blessed are those who have not seen and have not felt, but still they believe. You see, when you believe, you don't walk by sight. You walk by faith and you walk by the Spirit. Walk by the energy of the Spirit. You see, they had seen God part the Red Sea. They'd seen God do great things. And here they're standing now. Got a choice. Are you going to give God glory? Are you going to rejoice because God has already fixed it for you? That He's already in your tomorrows. He's already in your next week. He's already in your next month. He inhabits eternity. And He's already there at your next difficulty. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says two words. Two words. You know what it is? Rejoice evermore. Don't quit rejoicing. Rejoice at all times. Praise Him at all times. Psalm 71 and 6. By Thee have I been holden up from my mother's womb. Thou art He that took me out of my mother's womb. Praise, my praise shall continually be of Thee. Hebrews 13 and 15. By Him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. 
That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. Psalm 151, praise ye the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Psalm 71, 14, but I will hope continually, and I will yet praise Thee more and more. Psalm 150 and 2, praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. If you don't learn anything else this morning, learn this. In all things and in all times, give God glory and rejoice in the Lord always. God has already repaired everything that needs to be repaired for you. He's already provided for our need. At Mara, God revealed himself to be the almighty healer. You see, if Lazarus had not died, Martha and Mary would never have known that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. If the apostle Paul had not survived all of the whippings and the prison and the stone and left her dead, all of the things that happened, if he hadn't survived that, he would not have been able to preach to Rome and write 13 uh, books in the New Testament because God saw him through that difficulty. With great difficulty and tribulation, we enter into the kingdom of God. Stand with me, please. God reveals himself in our times of difficulty and hardship. Greg was telling me about how his mom and dad are both really sick and really ill. Their whole family is going through that same kind of difficulty of sickness and hardship. Eric was telling me this last week about how hard it is waiting for Oma Marie and knowing that if God doesn't touch her, she's going to go be with the Lord pretty soon. But he said to me, he said, Brother Jerry, I'm willing for God to do whatever His will is. Whatever His will is. Whatever His will is. Whatever His will is, I will glorify His name. Whatever His will, whatever happens to me, whatever goes on in my life, I will give glory to Him and give praise to Him. Amen. Give thanks to Him. The Lord is the Lord of my life. Of whom shall I fear or of what shall I be afraid? The Lord is the strength of my life. Amen. He that keepeth thee will neither slumber nor sleep. He will not allow the sun to smite you by day nor the moon by night. Yea, he that keepeth thee will neither slumber nor sleep. I'm going to make it. I said, I'm going to make it. Look at that person beside you and say, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Glory. I'm not going to sing that. I'd get singing, started singing here, sweetheart, and I'd sing the rest of our time. And a man got fired for calling somebody sweetheart, and I don't want to do that. But I dedicated you so I can call you sweetheart. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. God has already said that I would. I said, God has already said that I would make it. Yeah. 
He walks beside me, and heaven is in my view. Oh, I'm gonna make it through. Are you gonna make it through? I'm gonna make it through. Hallelujah. Heaven is in my view, and I'm going through. Thank you, Father, for allowing us today to be in your house. Thank you for the glorious privilege to expound the Word of God and to remind people that our God is an awesome God and that He's prepared a way for us in the wilderness, prepared a way at bitter pools. He's made a way for us on sick beds. He's made a way for us in hospitals. He's made a way for us at funeral homes. He's made a way for us. He's a way-making God. Now I ask you, God, to go home with now, us now to our homes and our families, to our workplace tomorrow, and may our lives continue to give, your glo give you glory at all times and in all places. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you and God go with you is our prayer. You have the greatest week of your life. Amen. Waymaker,